Well, good, uh, good morning and peace of Christ to you. And as we uh, get started, this, uh, this one on. Yep. Um, as we get started, as we're continuing on this journey about uh, relationships with one another, about uh, with one another in Christ, being what the, the church is to be, and that includes uh, relationships where uh, we, we share um, uh, with one another um, just uh, our, our, our life um, in Christ and, and, and our, our whole life. Um, it's not just that we gather for prayer and Bible study and worship, but that we, we share our lives um, with one another. And we'll uh, walk uh, through this. Um, uh, but before we go to the passage, I, I just wanted to uh, ask Scott um, Rice and Johnny Baker just to come and share just about their relationship um, with, with one another, um, that, uh, how they share just life um, with with each other. Thanks, Scott. Hey, Johnny. Thanks. Uh, when Drew asked me and, and Johnny first to to do this and share um, about our friendship, I felt uh, I felt inwardly resistant at first because uh, I know so many of you have friendships with Johnny, and why should I be singled out? So, but I realized in in a way I could speak for. Um, Many of you and and uh, what you feel about Johnny, so I, I, I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, <clears throat> well, I found that for friends, uh, for friendship to adore, endure, you must have uh, some admiration, admire something about a person that you're friends with, and that has to um, make you want them to be around them. So I I wanted to list um, four things that I admire about Johnny and make me want to be around him. Um, first of all, and, and you might, being second service, not realize this, um, how faithful he is to come. Uh, and if it's Sunday, uh, it, it's gonna, Johnny's going to be here. So that's all there is to it. And uh, for me to be here, uh, I have to get out of my car, I mean, roll out of bed, get in my car, and, and come. That, that's, sometimes that's difficult. Um, by contrast, Johnny... Although oftentimes he gets a ride from Gene, which is great, from Westwood, his apartment in Westwood. But if he doesn't, he needs to go out in the rain and snow, take a bus downtown, to the, and then transfer up here to 17. And yet he's here at 7:45 at least uh, every Sunday. So, so that is one thing I admire about him. The other thing is not only is he here, but he's cheerful about it, um, and that's that's something I appreciate. Uh, yeah, Jean smiles. She knows what I mean. Uh, and also, uh, it's one thing to be cheerful, another thing to be enthusiastic. And so uh, he's enthusiastic about seeing me and my friend and every everyone he knows. Uh, and, and that's really a lift for me to see him. And the fourth thing is uh, his attitude of acceptance. So we, we do things like uh, we went to a Rents game last summer. We go to... Um, the zoo, uh, we um, just go out for lunch and go swimming in the summer. And uh, in, in my job, I'm on, uh, on, it's on trial all the time, like all of us, uh, it's, 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 as we should be. We're, it's a performance, and we're getting judged. But with Johnny and with a true friend, I think we can, I can relax and be myself because I know 
he's not going to want to change me or do anything like that. So uh, he accepts me for who I am, and I can relax. So we, we really enjoy our time together, and I look forward to many more years of friendship. Uh, okay. Scott's a nice person. We go out and do things together. And I'm a fun time when I'm with him. And I met a lot of friends here, too. And I'm glad I'm glad I can come to church where I can have friends, have a, have a best friend, have friends to go out and do things together and be part of the, part of the church. And I'm glad I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad I finally found a church that I can I can come to it. I can come to every Sunday and be and come out here every Sunday. Don't miss any Sundays. Hardly ever I miss a Sunday. So I'll be here and uh, that's that's the way. Thanks, John. The Apostle Paul and his relationship to the church in Thessalonica, they may not have gone to the zoo um, together, but as we'll see, it was more than just you know, sharing um, information, more than just reading the, the, uh, the Bible or, or praying together, but really sharing lives, um, sharing lives in developing soul-nurturing relationships. And, and that's what you know, we heard from there and what we'll see in, uh, with, with Paul and the church in uh, Thessalonica. It's a, a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. It's on page 959 on your pew Bible, or you can um, follow along on the, on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, speak to us. Um, through your, your word, uh, speak to our lives. Help us to, to hear from you, um, to celebrate the ways that, that you are working in our lives and um, uh, to uh, hear the, the ways that um, you're, you're calling us um, to repent and, and fall in line um, with your good and perfect will. Um, speak to us and guide us in this time together. In Jesus we pray. Amen. So Paul and, uh, and the folks that are with him had brought the gospel to the, the church at Thessalonica and here's uh, one of his statements um, to them. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed. Nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others. Though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you. Like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you. That we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God. But also our own selves. Because you have become very dear to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, soul-nurturing relationships where we, we share our, our whole lives uh, with one another. We're relationships where we're growing in God um, together. Um, it's uh, often in the church, you know, we, we talk about the, the, the balance between being a business and a family or between being an institution and a community. And there's a, there's a challenge there because often our, there's a lot of ways that relationships can become institutional. 
And he sort of highlights these, Paul does in the beginning, where you know, it's not about sharing life with each other, but it just sort of stays on the surface. Let's just uh, do what we're supposed to do. Um, this is an item of prayer uh, for uh, um, the whole world, um, but, or at least on the streets of Cincinnati, because my oldest son just had his driving test on uh, Friday. And, uh, yeah, the prayer is he passed. So that's uh, a real concern for the rest of us. But as he was dry, as, you know, so he got in the car, went off, did his thing, and he came back, you know, just, you know, he tried to play like he failed and all that kind of stuff. And then finally he said, yeah, I passed. And, and then as we were talking somewhere during the rest of the afternoon, you know, as he was decompressing um, from all that, he said, you know, I tried to sort of make light conversation with the woman, the, the, the officer who was with me. I just tried to ask how she was doing and you know, about her family and stuff. And she just cut me off and said, I will answer only questions about which way to go and what the directions are for this test. And then she didn't say anything else except turn left up here at the light. And, of course, Nate was like, just shut down. And I'm like, well, son, that's an institutional relationship. She has a responsibility that she has to do with you, and there's no time for relationship there. It's just institution. And uh, with some of the uh, stuff we've been doing with new officers and stuff, I even came up with a, a new word you know, in the, the church where we have institution, we're accomplishing things, but we're also in relationship with one another, so we're relatitutional. Yeah. It, uh, I don't think it's going to get much play, but I'm sticking with it. But with Paul and the, the church in Thessalonica, he's coming and saying, yeah, I didn't come to you just as an institutional relationship. I didn't come to you in ways of seeking flattery. You know, institutional relationships can be that way. You know, just on the surface. Yeah, I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's doing well when things are falling apart. You know, or things may not be falling apart, but you're just staying on the surface. You're just, you know, it's a, the cliche, hello, how are you, I'm doing all right, how are you, I'm doing all right. You know, that's, that's that, that kind of place where, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, just keep it on the surface. He's like, you know, I wasn't, Paul said, I'm not interested in that. He says, I didn't come to you in, in, in a pretext for greed. I didn't come to you in order to expand the resources that we might have in the church. Yeah, I didn't, didn't come uh, to you in order to, to get you to give more money. Yeah, and we, we do that. You know, we, we, we are in relationship, institutional relationships as well, where we're, you know, we're connecting with others for particular resources. And again, that's okay. There's nothing um, wrong with that. But Paul's saying, that's not the purpose that I'm coming. You know, sometimes we can come to church in order to find a spouse. Well, you know, I hope that happens, but uh, that's not the purpose, you know, for being there. Or we can come to church in order to find a better job, you know, or, or I can do everything I can do so that you'll give more money. Yeah, that's, those are good things. All three of those are good things, but that's not the purpose for our relationship. And then he, he says as well, he says, I, I didn't come in order to, to look good. You know, I didn't, didn't come in order to seek praise for mortals, from you or for others. This was not about my fame. You know, Paul wasn't interested in celebrity selfies. You know, he wasn't there just to, to get um, up a, a bigger stage and a bigger platform for, for him. He didn't want to be in the, the hip place with just the right people. 
Now, that wasn't the reason for the relationships. And then finally, he says, even though we could have done this, I didn't come in as the heavy, you know, as the apostle of the Lord to tell you what to do. I didn't make a demand as an apostle of Christ, requiring your obedience in order to accomplish a purpose. That's another thing institutions can do where we just use people. You know, we just demand and command in order to accomplish the the goal. And again, we have to accomplish the goal, but with relationships that are soul-nourishing, there's something beyond that. And that's what Paul hits at in the, the next verse when he says that, you know, so we come to you, you know, tenderly, like a, a mother nursing a child. We, we caring for our own children. I didn't want to, I mean, there was the, the purpose that he was there. His calling was there. So I came to share the gospel of God, the good news of God, that Jesus is God in the flesh and that he has died for us. He's been raised to new life. We've been freed from sin. He, I came to share that information with you, to share that good news, but not just that good news. We loved you so much. We wanted to share with you that great news and we wanted to share you ourselves as well. We, we wanted to be in soul-nourishing relationships with you. Yeah, it isn't the very existence of Jesus, the, you know, the, the life, the death, of the resurrection of Jesus, just a, a sign that that's what the good news is about. I mean, that God became human. That he, he moved into the neighborhood. That He came among us to see us face to face, eye to eye, to press the flesh. You know, that, that the incarnation, God becoming flesh, speaks to us that the, the gospel is to be lived out in face to face, hand to hand relationships. And even the, the work of, of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So God the Son comes in human form. Well, God the Spirit comes in the glory and power of God. And what does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do in that initial act? He, you know, I could think of a whole bunch of real efficient ways to just take over the world. A couple mushroom clouds, you know, with shock and awe. That would have gotten a whole bunch of people on board real quickly. But that's not what he did. He came in the 120 people gathered in the upper room and enabled them to speak the language of all the other people that were gathered outside of the upper room. And that demonstrated the glory and power of God. Enabling relationships between people in the church and those outside the church. Soul-nourishing relationships. Maybe just as I've been using that, uh, that term that you've had people come to your mind. You know, who are those folks that are in soul-nourishing relationships, you know, with you? And to, to stop and to give thanks, to praise God for the gift, whether it's in your past or your present, that you can, those people come to mind that you know and you're with them, your soul is nourished. And, and in those relationships, then, then feed them, you know, feed those relationships. There are also relationships that are soul-destroying. And maybe those come to mind. And you may want to see how, how can I change that relationship to be one that's soul-nurturing. 
You know, the, the thing that came to mind as I was considering this, and considering being the church, you know, being with one another in Christ, and, and what, you know, that, that freedom that comes in relationships when we're soul nourishing, um, is I, I remembered when my children would play well together. Now, there's just a few memories of that. And it's 10 years ago. So, you know, in some ways they've been sanitized, you know, by my memory of wanting them to be good. But we were, when we lived in Mobile and the, the girls were, you know, elementary school and Nate was just a little toddler, um, you know, we had an upstairs that was finished. But, you know, it was like six, it was an old attic. So six foot ceilings and made me feel really tall. But it was great. <laughs> For them as well, because it was just their space and, and, and they could do what they wanted. And I remember one time, it was, we'd gone out to uh, Utah to visit my sister because she lives in Utah. And we'd all flown on an airplane. Sort of the first time that they'd been on an airplane and they could remember to, to go and, and see her. And then they, they had gone upstairs and we got back and they were playing airplane. You know, they had all the chairs that were up there lined up, and they had a little center aisle, you know, and that one was a pilot, one was the, the stewardess, well, and poor Nate, he never got to be pilot or steward or steward, you know, he was just a toddler, he was just a passenger, or if they played school, he was just a student at best, um, at least he wasn't the wheel or the wing or something like that on the plane. But I just remember sitting, we had a little office that was up there that I'd sit in, and there, you know, they would just play, and just, you know, their, their, their creativity would, would just feed on one another, again, when they were doing it well. You know, and they were enjoying one, they were living in a, just a whole other world, and I'm like, you know, that's what soul nurturing relationships do. It enable us to, you know, to live according to the ways of heaven, a whole other world versus the ways of this world. It, it so catalyzes our imagination and creativity creativity and frees our soul to, to, to flourish. To, and I think maybe that's one of the things that Jesus was getting at when he was saying you must become like a child. Um, David Benner wrote a, a book that I've been, one of the things that I resourced and used in just preparing for this uh, series. I mean, it's called Sacred Companions. And in there he gives us a, a list of, of things, because this is what happens in soul-nourishing uh, relationships, um, how we help one another um, to, uh, to, to do these things. Now, some of you are note-takers, and you, you'll want to take uh, notes, and so I'll put them on the, the screen for those of you that, that like to, to take those things, uh, those things down. But, uh, you know, and so I'll take a, a, some of his and then adapted some, and I've uh, added a few things that are soul-destroying in relationship as well. But one thing, we surrender. When, when we're in soul-nourishing relationships, we learn to surrender to God's love together. You know, we, we learn to, to live in faith and, and in, in trust um, in God um, together. We, we learn and help one another to hear God's voice. You know, you've had conversations, I think God's telling me to do something like this, and I can just feel my own heart, you know, sort of skip a beat and say, you know, I'm feeling that with you. Or sometimes we hear the opposite, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not tracking with you how that's God uh, telling you that. But we we learn together in soul-nourishing relationships to hear God's voice. We learn in soul, we, we just grow into gratitude when we're in soul-nurturing relationships. We, we, we see the things that are the blessings around us and we continue to, to live in that gratitude. We, we, we discern who we truly are in Christ. 
You know, that's, in soul-nourishing relationships, it helps us reveal who we are, who we were created to be. I mean, I loved what, what Scott was saying about how in, with Johnny, he can really be who he is. He doesn't have to worry about being who somebody thinks I'm supposed to be or being who I think uh, uh, you think I'm supposed to be. You know, and, and that's the, God connects with the real me. He connect, God is in, in connection, in relationship with the real me. The me that I am. Not the me I want to be. Or the me you want me to be. Or the me that my wife wants me to be. But the me that I am. So in any relationship where we're truly able to be who we are, that, that just helps us. That's, that nourishes our soul. Helps us to discern who we are in Christ. And, and can spur us on to courageously then follow God's calling. Yeah, I remember back when they were playing with the plane, you know, playing the airplane, you know, they, and they, it was funny because they went through a storm while they were in my attic. Um, uh, and, and I'm like, you know, think back on that. I'm like, you know, they were, they were learning courage. You know, they were supporting each other in, in courage, even though it was an imaginary storm that they were going through. But in relationships, they're soul-nourishing. You know, we, we courageously follow God's Calling together, it deepens and well, it deepens our passion uh, for life. It, it expands our compassion uh, for others. It awakens within us a, a curiosity for God's creation. You know, and you know, you, you've been with folks, and, and it's particularly when you you have someone who's um, you know trained or, or an expert in a particular thing, and it's the, when you're with them, and and they explain to you what you know their their expertise, and it just awakens you to a new venue of God's creation. And soul-nourishing relationships help us experience holiness and wholeness together. Yeah, now, so even as I've walked through those, maybe there's one or two, maybe three that really, really catch your attention. That say, yeah, my relationship with so-and-so you know, helps to deepen my passion for life in general. You know, and if those, those people come to mind, one, give thanks to God and find a way to give thanks to them as well. You know, to, to, to feed that, that soul-nourishing relationships that, that you have um, with others and to give thanks for them. Um, on the other hand, there are some practices that destroy our soul in relationships. And again, some, just some things that, that, that come before us to, to recognize, you know, that gossip. You know, when we talk about others instead of talking to them. You know, that can be soul-destroying in our relationship. Uh, sometimes in our relationship as well, we, we can become judge and jury. You know, where we, we judge um, others and even, you know, we uh, hang them as well becomes a blame fest, you know, where we can blame others um, for all the problems of the world. And what we're doing with Jesus, like Jesus told us, you know, be careful that you're not taking the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a big old log in your own. Well, it's soul-destroying when we become judge and jury in our, uh, our, our blame fest. And sometimes there's uh, us, we religious people can be, this pastors can be terrible here. 
You know, I told you last week that I'm in a pastor's group, and it took a while for it to come. And part of the problem is because sometimes when we pastors get together, man, we're horrible at this, and we can just blame everybody. And you leave the, the conversation or the meeting just feeling depleted. We can play judge and jury. Sometimes we can be a fear pit. You know how that can happen? You just start hand-wringing, the sky is falling, chicken little, the sky is falling. You're just sort of going down and down. Just And, and fear doesn't um, help build faith and courage. Um, another thing we, we can do in soul-destroying practices in relationships is we can spin the sin. You know, how things are looking... Uh, they're just bad, but we just find the angle together and say, oh, if we look at it this way, everything's okay. You know, it's just fine. Looks plumb. You know, if I look at it this way. And that's uh, sometimes what we can do in our practices in soul-destroying relationships. Or the other is we can have one-way relationships. You know, where it's we're in one way... Uh, we feel like the other person's always, you know, commanding us or uh, wanting to, to, to change us or, or telling us what's, what's wrong and we just feel beat up. Or there's one-way relationships where it's like the, there's one person who's always taking and, and never giving and we just feel used up. And that can become soul-destroying or soul-depleting. And that's what Paul was, was saying with the, um, with the Thessalonians. It would be easy for that to be a one way. Him to be the apostle and them to be the church. And he's like, but I didn't want to come to you in that way. I wanted to come to you as equal. With you. Giving you myself as well. Now, I know this is a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of stuff to consider in our own lives and in our own relationships. But I think crucial to, to recognize, uh, to be intentional about being soul-nourishing in our relationships. Finding those relationships that, can, that are truly soul-nourishing and, and pouring into those. And I pray for us that we, we consider as well maybe some of the practices that are soul-depleting soul-destroying, and we recognize how we can fall into those tendencies and confess and repent and seek God's help so that all of our relationships are soul-nourishing. Now next week, we'll pick back up with the groups in the middle hour, encourage you to jump into those again. That's just ways that we're learning, ways that we're growing in trying to develop relationships that are soul-nourishing. Uh, also, in, in January, we'll uh, be picking up again a variety of, of small groups in order to develop that. And we'll also be kicking off what we call missional communities. And I mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again uh, next week, maybe in a little more detail. But missional communities are groups of Jesus followers, 20 people to 40 people who gather in homes once a month. Um, you know, we'll eat together. We'll pray together. We'll share life. Um, with one another and will also be centered on one particular mission together. And, and I do know that one of the missional communities, and again, you know, 20 to 40 people, they're small enough to care and large enough to dare. And one missional community for sure that will be kicking off in January is around orphan care you know, in our um, city and county, in our community. Others um, may be uh, kicking off around that time or after that, but that's uh, one that will start to really 
focus on. But all of those different ways of continuing to help us develop and deepen soul-nourishing um, relationships. So may, may we then pray and, and pursue the relationships that do feed our faith, that, that nourish our soul, that we will share the good news you know, with each other, we'll live into the good news with each other as we share our lives with each other as well. Amen.